end. She says about coming up to a higher plane. You know, I've got on my notes at the end. God wants to take us to the next level. You know, I'll come back to that. But I was talking to Graham on Friday about something else, and something just triggered. Something he says triggered, and it gave me this message. So thank God for that, because I wasn't sure what I was going to speak about. But I was here a couple of years ago. Hugh says to me, why don't you come up on uh, Sunday morning? The guy, Tommy McNeil's coming. He was down for a conference. If you can make it, why don't you come up? I says, I was actually thinking about that. I think I'll actually do that. And I only remember a couple of things what he said that day. I think it was maybe around about 2019. And I think he started, one of the things that he said, and he started with it, he says, what does the church need most? And he was asking for a response. People were saying this answer and that answer. And I put my hand up and I said, healing. I believe the church needs most is healing. And he says, oh, okay, healing, that's good. But it wasn't the right answer. Does anybody remember what the answer was? Does anybody remember that morning what he says what the church needs most? Anybody? Is there one person? Nobody remembers. It's a rough sack. I'm away. He <laughs> says that the church, what the church needs most is more of God. So I went away and I thought about that. And I said, well, I said healing. Somebody said this, somebody says that. He says more of God. And I began to ponder it. And I came to the conclusion that he is right. He's right. The church and us as individuals needs more of God. Because you cannot get one without the other. If you get more of God, the restoration comes automatically. The restoration for our lives. So we all need healing. We all need restoration. We've all been through stuff in life. Traumas, betrayals, you know, getting caught up in a fence, hurts, pains, you know, whatever it is. There's nobody goes through life without being hurt in some way, being affected. And when he says we need more of God, really as an individual, we need more of God. That restoration that we need when you get more of God has got to come automatically. They come hand in hand. And I believe, you know, that's what I want to speak about this morning, that we need more of God. You know, we need, we need a desire awakened within us, a desire uh, to, to seek the face of God. And I want to speak really share some stuff about John the Baptist's life because John the Baptist was one who desired more of God and God alone. That was his life, and I'm going to show you that as we continue. But firstly, I want to share some facts about John the Baptist's life, just some, some simple facts. His mother and Jesus' mother were cousins. They were full cousins. His father's name was Zacharias. His mother's name was Elizabeth, and they were, old, they were older in their years. The Bible says that Elizabeth was born, meaning she couldn't have kids, but something happened in her older age and she fell pregnant. God just must have touched her life in such a way she was able to fall pregnant and she fell pregnant. Her cousin Mary fell pregnant with Jesus. That was by the Holy Spirit. She never knew a man. Around about the same time, within about three months of her. And the Bible tells us that when they came into contact with each other, it says that the babe, which was John the Baptist, leapt leapt in, in his mother's womb. So there was something supernatural taking place even when he was in his mother's womb. You know, he recognized Jesus was in his mother's womb and it was like a synergy took place 
and even the two women who were cousins, it was some sort of connection began to happen. It was like a synergy and the, the, the prophecy began to happen between the two women. His birth was announced by his father, Zacharias. His, his birth was announced by an angel to his father, Zacharias, in Luke 1.15. But it says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he'll drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he'll be a prophet of the Most High. So we know John the Baptist was a prophet of the Most High. And he says he won't drink. He won't take wine, meaning it was separate. He wasn't doing the things that he was doing in the world. His life had to be different. His life had to be different from his peers. It had to stand out and he was set apart. The Bible says that, describes him as the burning and shining lamp. As is already mentioned, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 23, where it says, Arise and shine, for your light shall come, and the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. We're in that right now. And deep darkness of people. But in the midst of that, the Lord will arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. The Gentiles or the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So these scriptures are saying that God can fill us with his glory to such a degree. People are going to be drawn to us. People were drawn. He was a burning and shining lamp. Luke chapter 1, verse 66 says, And the hand of the Lord was upon him. This is really significant things it's saying about his life. Luke 1 and 17, it says, He will go before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Now, what that is meaning is John the Baptist was the same grace that was upon Elijah's life was getting put on John the Baptist's life. See, Elijah at Mount Carmel, he, he, he spoke to the people and he confronted the prophets of Baal and the people turned back to God. The same thing happened in John the Baptist's life. He began to proclaim a message of the coming Messiah and the people began to turn back to God. But this is what happened. Jesus said, Jesus had a conversation later on with his disciples and some other people. And he says, why is it the prophets say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus says, Elijah has come. He has come, meaning John the Baptist, and will come. And many people believe, you know, that, that obviously it's speaking first of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came. He came with a grace upon his life to point people to Jesus Christ. But Jesus was saying it's going to happen again. See, John the Baptist was one person who had to who had to sound an alarm, you know, about the coming of Jesus Christ. But Jesus says, this will happen again. So before the second coming of Jesus Christ, that grace is going to be released again. And many believe Jesus is not talking about one person this time. It's going to be on many. The spirit and the power of Elijah. And Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 17, verse 11, that anointing, that anointing is going to be released, is going to restore all things. It says this, indeed, Elijah is coming first, meaning before he returns, and he will restore all things, meaning the way it was before is the way it will be, be in the end. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. In the book of Revelation, things come full circle. Everything is made perfect again. Everything is restored. Oh, how we need restoration. But really, I want to get to these verses. And there's a verse here. Uh, that I think best describes his life. Then there's a further verse that will come to what best describes his calling, the calling that he had. 
And in Luke chapter 1, verse 80, it says this about John the Baptist. This is the best, the, the best, the best paints the picture of his life. And it says, so the child grew and was made strong in spirit and was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel. That's the last verse of Luke chapter 1, verse 80. And that verse really talks about John the Baptist's life, that he was in a place of preparation and he was in a place of consecration. But God was preparing him for what he was going to do. And consecration really means to be separated, you know, to be deeply devoted to a purpose, to be set apart. And God began to do this work in his life where he was strengthened in spirit. And this is really important because in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, the Bible tells us the same thing happened with Jesus. The exact same words at the beginning of the verse, it says, and the child grew, talking about Jesus now, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So the same thing happened with John the Baptist, happened with Jesus. So it's like God was take, takes people aside, and he begins to strengthen them, and empower them for life. He begins to strengthen them, and empower them for what they are called to do. Why do we know that? Not just because it happened to John the Baptist, and it happened to Jesus. But the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he tells us this, that he would grant you, you, that's you, according to the riches of his glory. I know you know this verse, Jill, and you've sent it to me before. According to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by might. And but, uh, he just that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by might through his spirit in the inner man. That's who we are on the inside. God wants to strengthen us. You know, before I was a Christian, I took, I took several nervous breakdowns, several. After I became a Christian, I've only took one. It was five years. Some of you have heard the story. Five years after I get saved. But after that, God began to strip things away. Stuff that was wrong with me. And he only began to strengthen me in the inner man. And when God begins to strengthen you in the inner man, he strengthens your nervous system. So that means you will not take any more nervous breakdowns. You know, he begins to do a work on the inside of us. Colossians 1, chapter 1, verse 11. Paul tells us the same thing again. He says, strengthen with all might. Talking about us again, you'll be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. That means he's saying you can walk through suffering and it won't phase you. You will keep going. So what God done with John the Baptist, when we see the Bible painting a picture of his life, he wants to do with us. He wants to take us aside into the secret place. John the Baptist was in a place of isolation and God began to strengthen him and empower him for what was coming to his life. That he, the, the, the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. See, John the Baptist wanted, he was in that place, and he wanted God and God alone. We need that same desire awakened within us, because every one of us has a God-shaped void, a God-shaped void within us that only he can fill, because the Bible says that eternity is in the heart of man, meaning there's something within us whether you know it or not, but it desires God. 
There's something within us. There's something within us that only God can satisfy. We can look here and we can look there, but nothing will satisfy our deepest needs and our deepest longings except the presence of God. Luke chapter 1 verse 8 is the best way to describe his life, John the Baptist. But John chapter 1 verse 29 is the best way to describe his calling. Where he seen Jesus Christ and he knew, this is when the two of them were adults, when John the Baptist's ministry had began to be activated. Jesus' ministry was also beginning to be activated. It was right about the same time that John the Baptist was first because he had to prepare the way. But when John the Baptist seen him, he pointed to him, and he knew by revelation who he was, and he pointed to him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was pointing to Jesus Christ, and he said, He is the one. He is the one. And he goes on to say things like, I must decrease, and he must increase. He began to realize that Jesus was the, the, the person and he was just the forerunner. Jesus was the Messiah. And he began to sound a message of repentance. He describes himself as the friend of the bridegroom, meaning the friend of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we can become friends of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in John chapter 15. He had a cutting edge ministry. And when he prophesied about the ministry of Jesus, it says, he's going to it says, I come baptizing with water. The one who comes after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. It says, his winning fun is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor. It says, the wheat he will, he will bring into the barn, but the chaff, that's the stuff in our life we don't need. The chaff, it says, he will burn up. This is Jesus that does this. He will burn up with unquenchable fire. The issues in our lives, he says, he will burn up. But this is what he says. He says, I am not even worthy to stoop down and loose, uh, loose his sandals. I am not unworthy. I, I am so See, John the Baptist knew who he was. He knew that he was a prophet called by God. But he, re he really realized that he was, he was humble. He knew he was nothing. And the, the focus had to be on Jesus Christ. But I was sitting with uh, Alistair Matheson the other day. And... Uh, he was talking about people getting caught up in the, the big, these big ministries. There's nothing wrong with big ministries, but people getting caught up in, 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 in getting away from the focus of Jesus Christ. And he says, what we need to realize is, he says, we are weak people. We have, let's say this already, we have vulnerabilities. We have frailties. You know, we have, we, we have brokenness, but God wants to heal the brokenness bit by bit. But we've got brokenness, but it goes back to the fall of Adam. He says, that's what we need to realize. And this is something that John the Baptist realized. He says, he sandals, I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. What we really need, what we really need to realize is that, that uh, I had a thought there. What we really need to realize uh, is that, that we are, of ourselves, we are nothing. You know, it's not about us, you know, but it's really about pointing people to Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist, he begins to preach out in the wilderness at the Jordan River. And it says that the multitudes began to come out. How, how is that possible? These meetings, they were not getting advertised. You know, it was just the grace of God upon his life. The time was right. The time had came, God's appointed time. And they began to come out in, their, in multitudes, the Bible says. 
multitudes and multitudes and began to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He begins to tell the people to repent. You know, they begin to get baptized and he begins to speak of the coming Messiah. This was the grace that was upon his life. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, 700 years before John the Baptist came, it was written about him in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 43. And this is what he says. He pointed to himself and what he told us is, I'm the one that we're talking about in Isaiah. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make a highway in the desert for our God. See, what John the Baptist was proclaiming that Jesus Christ is God, and he is the one who had to prepare the way. And you might say, why? What has that got to do with me? Why would I want to live the consecrated life like John the Baptist? Why would I want to live for God? But Jesus said this, he who wants to keep his life will lose it. Meaning if you want to live for yourself, you will pay a price further down the line. But it says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you, when we begin to live for God, he's saying further down the line, we are going to enter into something. And that is life, real, real life. Jesus also says, what would profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So Jesus was telling us all the wealth, there's nothing wrong with wealth, you know, all the success, you know, in, in the world. He says you can, you, you can get that, but you can completely miss God. You can completely miss why you were, why you were created, you know, but he's really saying, you know, that, that we need to focus on him. We need to live the sacrificial life. But this is what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He says, among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What was he talking about? John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was the last one. Then the kingdom of God was coming. Jesus came to establish a new covenant. It was a better covenant with better promises. And when he says the kingdom of God, he was not talking about heaven because the kingdom had now came to the earth under this new covenant. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was telling us that John the Baptist was greater up until that point, up, just up until that point, than those born of women. women. That is greater than all the Old Testament prophets. Greater than Moses with all the signs he'd done, the pattern of the Red Sea. Greater than Elijah, who done miracles as well and done signs. Greater than Elisha. Greater than Enoch. Greater than Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. He says John the Baptist is greater. And the Bible tells us that John the Baptist never done any signs. He never done any miracles. But Jesus said he is greater. And the reason I believe that he was greater was because of the type of ministry he had. The ministry he had was he was a forerunner of the Messiah. He was a forerunner to point people to Jesus Christ. And that's why he was greater. But the Apostle Paul begins to tell us in the New Testament that there's a mystery now being revealed but was hidden in other ages. And that mystery really was Jesus Christ going to the cross and this new covenant getting established. See, the way that we, the, the, the way that we can experience God through the born-again experience and the new creation man when something happens on the inside of us and it begins to change your life, they never had that in the Old Testament. 
That's why Jesus says, least in the kingdom of God is greater than he and John the Baptist. And you might say, well, I can look at the least in the kingdom of God, the Christian who's never grew. They're no greater than John the Baptist. But this is what Jesus was telling us. This is what I believe he was saying here. The potential within a New Testament believer is greater than John the Baptist or any other Old Testament prophet. The potential, what is inside of them, because Jesus Christ dwells on the inside. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. This is a new covenant they're talking about. Of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul says this is a mystery. It is a mystery. And we need to ask ourselves then, if this is a potential that we have got on the inside of us, if this is a potential greater than John the Baptist, who was the burning and shining lamp, who had many different, it was described in many different ways, greater than Moses, greater than Ezekiel, if the potential we've got is greater than that, what is the problem? Well, the problem is it's not really necessarily, Andrew Womack says this, he says, it's not necessarily getting more of God in us, but it's, it's, it's unlocking what is already there, unlocking that potential. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the potential in each one of us. See, there is levels in God. God wants to bring us to a higher plane. I believe God has got more for every single one of us. You know, I got a revelation just in Monday there. It's really touched my life from Monday. And I've had it a couple of times before, but not with the same clarity. And I'm not going to try and explain how God showed me and the way it came out would be too complicated. That's kind of just for me. But it was about levels in God. And there's a parable that Jesus spoke about. And it was a parable of the sower. And he talked about scattering seed. And he talked about most of the people who come to the Lord will, will fall away. That's what he said. Most of them, and if you, if you look at that, uh, in your life, you notice that people who come to the Lord, a lot of them fall away within the first few weeks or the first few months. Some it could be a few years. So you talked about four different groups, three groups to fall away, one group to keep going. It's like 25% keep going. There's different ways we, you could kind of interpret that parable. But it says one group keep going out of the four groups. That's 25%. But out of that 25%, he talked about three different levels in God. He talked about the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and the 100-fold. One gospel says 30, 60, 100. Another gospel lists it the other way about 160 and 30. But we know the 30 is the first, 100 is, is, is the last. And God began to really kind of touch my life in 2020. Some of you have heard the story. I had a condition called complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Most of you have heard that story. It's an anxiety disorder with other symptoms. And God began to heal me in stages. And he completed it between March and April 2020. He completed it. And uh, I've had no symptoms since. My symptoms are 100% gone, every single symptom. He completed that. And around about that time, the first part of 2020, and, and since then, it's like I was getting revelation for the scriptures. And I've been, I've been getting it for years, the Bible coming alive. But in 2020, the first part of 2020, it 
when I was getting revelation, it started to go much, much deeper. It was going much, much deeper within me. And God began to speak to me on Monday through kind of some events. And this is where it took me back to that time between March and April 2020, which will be about 20 months ago now. And he says to me, when I healed you, this is what he revealed to me, when I healed you of that mental illness, I took you from the 30 to the 60. And this is the scripture I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. And it says this, Jesus speaking. It says, but others fell in good ground, talking about the seeds. But others fell in good, good ground and produced a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. So it's three different levels, right? And God said to me, when I healed you of that mental illness and you started getting a deeper revelation, you came, you came from the 30 to the 60. It's another level. It's in my notes. Liz mentioned it. Come to another level. Come to a higher plane. She never knew what I was going to say. You came to the 30 to the 60. And that has really encouraged me because I see the progress. You know, I see God has took me at another level. It wasn't it yesterday? It wasn't the Monday there when I get the revelation. I was away back the first part of 2020. But that tells me, that tells me there's another level again. Another level again. And that is for the 60 to the 100. And that, if that was not attainable, Jesus wouldn't have said that. He wouldn't have said that. And I'm not settling. See, I'm not satisfied to settle for the 60. I'm pressing in for the 100, the third level. Because what does that mean? It really means about coming into the person who you are meant to be who God created you to be, come into your full potential, come into that hundredfold fruitfulness, come into the fullness of breakthrough and the fullness of victory. And I believe that is there for every single one of us. You know, God has got more for all of us. And I just want to come back to this before I finish. Luke chapter 1, verse 80, the best verse that describes John the Baptist's life in John chapter 1, verse 29. So Luke chapter 1, verse 8, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel. So it's this becoming strong in spirit. He was alone with God. God was doing a work on the inside of him. And he was becoming strong in spirit. He, there was a strengthening and an empowerment taking place in his life. And let me tell you, God wants to do the same with every single one of us. Because as I already said, Paul told us that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by might through his spirit in another man. God wants to take us aside and strengthen us and empower us for what he's got for us in this life. You know, and one of the things he's got for us, it's really the same as John the Baptist. John the Baptist, chapter, uh, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist pointed, best way to describe his calling, what he was here to do. He pointed to Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, God wants to do a work on the inside of us. He wants to change us on the inside, strengthen us and empower us so that we, so that not just the words that we speak, but our lives will point to Jesus point people to Jesus who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because we all have sin and we all need a saviour. But really, Jesus Christ is the answer. And God wants to do a work on the inside of us 
so that our lives say, our lives point people to Jesus, the same as John the Baptist. But it's really, John the Baptist, his, his life is a signpost to point people to Jesus. God wants to do the same in us. Take us to such a place where our lives will be a signpost to point people to Jesus. Take us aside, it's a place of aloneness, a place where, it's a place of solid, solitary and solitude. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the wilderness until his manifestation to Israel. Meaning it was took aside, it was set apart until the time came that God was wanting to use him. God was wanting to take him into his destiny. And God has got a destiny for every single one of us in here today. And really, it's about pointing people to Jesus. So thank you just for listening this morning. And Father, just come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And we know you've got more for every single one of us, Lord. And we know we need, what we need most, Lord, is more of you. More of you. It says, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so panteth my soul for you. Lord, it's, you spoke about, but others fell on good ground and yielded the crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Lord, there's, there's more in you. There's another level. There's a higher plane. There's a, there's, a, there's a higher level of living. There's a greater level of breakthrough and victory, Lord. I, I'm not settled, Lord. I know we are not settled, Lord, for where we're at. We are not satisfied, Lord. But we're pressing in, Lord, for the more breakthrough, Lord, for the fullness of breakthrough, Lord, for the fullness of victory, Lord. I know you'll get more for this church, Lord. Lord, now just pray, Lord, you would touch people in here this morning, Lord, by the presence of God, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for Graham and Bow, Lord, and, and the other Q, Lord, and the other people here involved, and Tony, Lord, and I can't mention everybody, Lord, but Sandy, Lord, we just ask you to bless each person, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord, I pray for... Uh, just Gail, Lord, and uh, Caitlin, Lord, to our ways this morning, Lord, that you just bless their lives, Lord. Bless their lives, touch their lives, Lord. And uh, we have a Lord, and Bethany, Lord, and uh, Jillian's daughter, Olivia, Lord, just, just touch their lives, Lord, at this time, Lord. Lord, just touch us, Lord, during the rest of this service, Lord. Lord, we're crying out, Lord, you would do something, Lord. But we are not satisfied, Lord. We're not living in the fullness of breakthrough, the fullness of victory, Lord. But we know there's more. Lord, you came that we could be made whole, Lord. Come into that wholeness, that completeness, Lord. Not, not partial victory, Lord, but the fullness of victory, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.